Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about the sound of sustainability. This will wrap up a couple of months, six episodes in all, of looking at the sounds of protest in song and in lyric, and I want to begin this final chapter with a question or two. Decisions we make today are the gifts we give to our future. Are those gifts sustainable? If not, what does that say about the future?
music is Leonard Cohen. He will also be the different drummer today, so I'll have a lot more to say about him as we go. I don't know if I'll do too much of it right up front, other than to make a citation or two. Near the beginning of the last Sound Of show, the one focusing on religion, I included um, some music by Kenny Rogers in first edition, written, in this case, the song Tell It All, Brother, by Alex Harvey. And there's a tie-in here, so I'll just share the beginning of the first verse, to get to the point where I want to make a reference back to previous times that Inappropriate Conversations has mentioned Leonard Cohen. Tell it all, brother, before we fall. Tell it all, brothers and sisters. Tell it all. How much you holding back on me when you say you're giving all? And in the dungeons of your mind, who you got chained to the wall? I've mentioned uh, Leonard Cohen before with direct references to Alain Robegrier and specifically his short story, The Secret Room. 
Most recently, this was Inappropriate Conversations 195, just earlier this year, when I named Rob Grier as a different drummer. But really going all the way back to the very first year of Inappropriate Conversations with number 22, talking about a concept at the time I called Art and the Strange Bedfellows. And it's the concept of uh, politics, sex, and religion uh, not being welcome at the dinner table. Uh, That Strange Bedfellows idea is all part of that. And in there, I was looking at the visual arts through people like Salvador Dali and uh, Luis Manuel, but also other forms, uh, poetry, especially performance art. So it gave me a chance to talk about The Secret Room, and a friend of mine uh, put together a clip for the podcast that was sort of a combination of The Secret Room and the song that brought us in today. The Sound of Sustainability opened up with Leonard Cohen, the title track from the future. But really, when I began thinking about sustainability and questions of the environment and other ways that sustainability as a concept might matter here in a look at protest music, the very first song that came to my mind, and it's kind of funny that it shows up in the very last of these shows, but the first song that came to my mind when it came to protest music is 10,000 Maniacs, Poison in the Well. Oh, the name 
As Natalie Merchant sings the lyrics in this song, my mind does a quick kind of an adjustment to the way the verses are presented. Instead of Oh Don't Tell Us being kind of a recurring theme, I hear her with Oh Don't Tell Us the first time, and Now They Tell Us the second time. And finally, No Don't Tell Us. There's poison in the well. Someone's been a little untidy. And there's been a small spill. And all that it amounts to is a tear in a salted sea. That idea. The very first thing that jumped into my mind when I thought about where we may be heading as a country, where we no longer seem, at least in the leadership positions, in both Congress and in the administrative branch of our government, to take things like Clean Water and Clean Air Acts seriously. It's as if people wax nostalgic, at least some of the ones who are much older than I am, for the days when pollution was rampant in cities, not just New York and Los Angeles, but also cities like Birmingham, Alabama. So the the right to be able to breathe freely and drink water that's, uh, that's not going to kill you it seems to be a bit of an irony that we don't value this. One of the songs that I was going to mention but not play was by Flipper, the post-punk band. The original incarnation of that group wrote a song called Love Canal, uh, referring to perhaps the period of time even before we had a concept of Superfund cleanup, and how much longer will the current EPA engagement in uh, not only cleaning up pollution waste sites, but trying to ensure that they don't happen again. Where do we stand there with the people who have been appointed to these key leadership positions? Where, generally speaking, the Trump administration could be described as appointing people to positions who are actively hostile toward the departments that they presumably will be running. Love Canal is a great example of Flipper and the blunt instrument that that particular genre can be. I want to steer us into a somewhat more subtle direction. I say subtle. It's not subtle lyrically, but it is somewhat subtle musically, at least compared with Flipper. Reverend Moon and Old Graves. Backs of bears. 
heard stories. She's been preying on ships and settlements for near ten years. Never leaves any survivors. No survivors. Then where do the stories come from? I wonder. Child know the secret and can say it. 
So I followed up the apocalyptic vision of Reverend Moon, uh, an alter ego of Jacob, Jacob Relliger, a different drummer in Inappropriate Conversations number 103, came out in October of 2012. A Halloween-themed episode, primarily because of the Halloween vibe I sometimes get from the music of one of his other projects, Moonwood. Uh, so Moonwood was the track right after Old Graves. Drawing Water from a Poison Well is the name of the track, and obviously by title alone it ties directly into this concept of sustainability. I don't intend to watch the latest version of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not on my list. I enjoyed the first one a lot. I enjoyed the second one only a little bit. The third one I hated, and I have no intention of seeing the fourth one. By all accounts, people who were on set refer to Johnny Depp as having mailed in the performance, and the last thing I need to see is a mailed-in version of a franchise like Pirates of the Caribbean. But in the first couple of shows in that franchise, there have been some really good uh, lines of dialogue. One of them I ex excerpted here in terms of you know, no survivors. And when you look at our fake news and our gullibility, um, the willingness of people to believe whatever uh, is already inside their wheelhouse to the expense of logic and reason, this is a great example of it. You know, you really can't have a ghost story where there are no survivors without the question being raised of how do we even have the story to begin with. I finished off that set with Yes. And there are very few bands as environmentally active as Yes. In fact, if I told people in the history of rock and roll, where is environmentalism strongest among, say, people in the Rock Hall of Fame? Well, there's a few examples that would jump immediately to mind. Marvin Gaye, uh, Mercy, Mercy Me. I've talked about Marvin Gaye earlier in this Sound Of series and kind of said so right from the start that I didn't think I'd be playing anything from him, although I so easily could. What's going on? Another good example. Mercy, Mercy Me, perfect for this particular episode, subscripted The Ecology. But the other one that comes straight to my mind is Yes. And most people probably would think of songs like Don't Kill the Whale, which are more overt. I prefer the third movement of Tales from Topographic Oceans called The Ancient. And maybe the only English language dialogue, you know, lyrics in the entire movement in that third piece is this section where he's talking about, well, frankly, talking about environmentalism. So a set to get us going on, laying the groundwork for sustainability from the perspective of ecology, conservation, the environment, not crapping the bed, you know, not making a, a mess of your own kitchen such that any food prepared there is inedible, which is the risk that we're facing right now. But the other thing I wanted to do, just like I did last time in the one focusing on religion, I want to come along and take, to bend it just a little bit and say, how managing the environment is not the only question of sustainability that we face. There is a couple of ways I want to get to this, looking at things from the perspective of uh, GLBT rights. One of them is the flat-out unsustainability of the way we handle the rights of gays and lesbians, period. And I'll get to that after I play a solid block of songs, beginning with a focus on AIDS. I remember having a conversation with a family member who... Although he wasn't quite as extreme as a lot of what we might call the uh, Southern Evangelical pastors, he was flirting with that line. It was a conversation he started with me because I think he was testing the waters and seeing if he could get away with going there. I'll cut to the chase and say he could not get away with going there, but uh, his question was, should we spend any money on uh, trying to find a cure for this AIDS you know, epidemic, or even understanding it well enough to be able to come up with some answers in the foreground. 
not just the prophylactic solutions of protected sex, safe sex condoms, but even something a little bit more, uh, you know, more vaccine related potentially. And his attitude was, no, we shouldn't be exploring any of that. We shouldn't be wasting our money on that because this disease is just about the gays. It's just about IV drug users. It's just about them. And he wasn't necessarily that interested in dealing with anything that would, you know, address an epidemic that was facing someone who wasn't, you know, him or didn't look like him. And I offered him a couple of words of correction along those lines. You know, first from a, a Christian perspective, there is no us and them. Once you start declaring that one set of people is the least of these, you obligate yourself theologically as a Christ follower to step in and act right there directly. The other problem, though, that I had with it was the naivete of suggesting that a disease we barely understood was understood so fully and completely that we didn't need to do anything about it. We could just let it play its course. And this, again, was getting him awfully close to that Southern evangelical right-wing religious right person saying, well, what if this is God's will and it's supposed to wipe out the gays? I told him, I said, you're not talking about a sex-based disease here. You are in some ways. Obviously, that's one of the, man the manners of transmission. What you're talking about is a bloodborne virus. And to the degree that we're dealing with a bloodborne virus, I think it's incredibly naive to assume that just because it isn't currently transmitted in other ways besides direct blood-to-blood -blood contact, um, certain forms of sex in particular, but not just limited to, say, anal sex and uh, IV drug usage. But what if this thing morphs or mutates because we've you know, fallen asleep at the wheel and not paid any attention to the risks? And acknowledging how terrible the end result is, what if we just sit around and suddenly find out that there is maybe a certain mosquito or some other biting insect that's capable of transmitting it from biting one person to biting another person? We would be the biggest fools in the history of medical research to not be, at least at this stage, back then it was the 80s, trying to do something about this. So let me begin with songs that look directly at AIDS and let this morph as we go. I'm going to talk about uh, Graham Parker, Green Monkeys, where he directly kind of debunks that theory. The Fall, a song from their uh, I Am Curious Orange album called Van Plague. And then Wu-Tang Clan kind of connecting the dots a little bit, because for them, they're having to ask what I consider to be the amazingly naive question of telling their community, their listenership, their posse, if you will, that AIDS is dangerous and that it's real and that it kills and that you should protect yourself. It seems amazing that a rap group would feel the need to have to specify that to a part of their audience or even a very large part of their audience. But the truth is the song America by Wu-Tang Clan exists for exactly that reason, that they had a big chunk of their audience that needed it spelled out for them. And from that hip-hop angle, we'll go in another hip-hop direction and I'll talk about the rest of the songs in the set on the other side. But let me get us started with Graham Parker, who just makes a simple declarative statement. This didn't come from the gays, the blacks, the Haitians, or the whores, or green monkeys. And we needed to understand where AIDS was coming from and what it was all about far sooner than we actually got around to doing it. In a distant street, a distant beat repeats machine gun like in a forest grows a sweet fruit filled with poison in a clear blue sky a plane bursts into flames high above us in an office blind machines blink out data in a rush 
what they say It didn't come from the game The black, the Haitians, or the horse Or green monkeys Or green
Continuous Wu Tang. Hey yo, hey yo, come on, yo, 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 I'ma shoot over on that A's thing. Yo, yo, when you're sexually frustrated, plus waited for a long time, you both have strong minds. Combined with feelings, she seems appealing for each other. Discreet lover, no longer keeps rubbers, smothered under deep covers. Erotic programs, moet and slow jams, enough to make your old hands. And plus, you a bold man, you fall in the manhole. Where the forbidden tree go And bullshit ego A fly negro Her garden sour Polluted with a dead flower And months later He's laying on the respirator Depending on the generator To keep his heart moving And start losing sight In his right eye And weeks he might die Yeah, uh-huh I know this dope fiend cat Word up His name is Harvey Yeah Part-time shooter Sharing needles in the stairs Wise guy disguised as a fly guy You getting high right Weed it up with red shit in your right eye Use a menace Your brain Cells finished, begging forgiveness, calling that up top shit syphilis. You knew what you was getting into. Try to guess on what I've been through. Fuck shorty raw, then she skinned you. Hey, yo, kill, screwed up, smack this show. Coming from the wolf, great with this show. Kill, screwed up, respect this show. Coming from my wolf, great with this My nigga Chuck, he love the fuck. Everything exotic bitches down to ugly ducks. Like Nancy, who like the fancy sickles. So he put popsicles on the nipples and make a sex pass. Triple by triple until she busts, overcome with passion. Big ass boy lust upon him, but naked he forsake the grab the condom. Fuck it, he said AIDS was government made to keep niggas afraid so they won't get laid. No babies be made in the black population with a feast within a decade. German warfare plot against the dark shade. Caught by the gravitation, earth rotation, sex and the sex is deep. When you can't see clear through the sheer brazier, toe back, smoking a slip, sipping cognac, bar, you know, my two love songs, Bobby Womack tracks, got a fat ass laying flat on her back. Yeah, as she lay, she wore a silk gray negligee, Alice A. Moore's the radio play, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? As she screams, sexual healing, couldn't fight the feeling, her legs hit the ceiling, in all positions, dripped in and quick love. She's professional, she does this shit in strip clubs. Blind in June till she acquired immune deficiency. Now misery is the syndrome.
Thought that I was gay, cause I could draw. My uncle was, and I kept my room straight. I told my mom, tears rushing down my face. She's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K. Sure. Yeah, I guess she had a point, didn't she? Bunch of stereotypes all in my head. I remember doing the math, like, yeah, I'm good at Little League. A preconceived idea of what it all meant. But those that like the same sex have the characteristics. The right-wing conservatives think it's a decision. And you can be cured with some treatment and religion. Man-made rewiring of a predisposition playing God. Oh, nah, here we go. America the brave. Still fears what we don't know. And God loves all his children. It's somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. I don't know. And I can't change. Even if I tried. Even if I wanted to. gay, I would think hip-hop hates me. Have you read the YouTube comments lately? Man, that's gay. Gets dropped on the daily. We become so numb to what we're saying. A culture founded from oppression. Yeah, we don't have acceptance for them. Call each other faggots behind the keys of a message board. A word rooted in hate. Yet our genre still ignores it. Gay is synonymous with the lesser. It's the same hate that's caused wars from religion. Gender to skin color. The complexion of your pigment. Same fight that led people to walkouts and sit-ins. It's human rights for everybody. There is no difference. Live on and be yourself. When I was at church, they taught me something else. 
If you preach hate at the service, those words aren't anointed. That holy water that you soak in has been poisoned. When everyone else is more comfortable remaining voiceless rather than fighting for humans that have had their rights stolen. I might not be the same, but that's not important. No freedom till we're equal. Damn right I support it. Play, don't press pause. Progress, march on. With the veil over our eyes, we turn our back on the cause. Till the day that my uncles can be united by law. When kids aren't walking around the hallway, plagued by pain in their heart. A world so hateful, some would rather die than be who they are. And a certificate on paper isn't gonna solve it all. But it's a damn good place to start. No law is gonna change us. We have to change us. Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one. Strip away the fear. Underneath it's all the same love. About time that we raised up. They gave you answers, now they give you hell. They will never understand, they wonder where did they go wrong. How could you be so selfish? Why can't you get along? And as you pray in your darkness, always to set you free, you are bound to your silent legacy. They don't listen to your reasons as original as sin. Deny all that you feel and they will bring you home again. And as you pray in your darkness, always to set you free. You are bound to your silent legacy. 
just tell your children Be quick, you must be strong Life is full of wonder Love is never wrong Remember how they taught you How much of it was fear Refuse to hand it down The legacy portion of this inappropriate conversation ended with Melissa Etheridge and her song Silent Legacy. I don't think I'm going to speak much more about it. I know that it's a very important song for people who have walked this walk in ways that I never will, and I think it somewhat speaks for itself. It's ironic, though, that the other song I want to talk about is also one that speaks for itself and is arguably more famous, but I do want to spend a little bit of time with the track credited to Macklemore and Ryan Lewis called Same Love. Mary Lambert is the other voice that is part of this, again, relatively famous single. I'm going to share just a couple of lyrics and then talk about what it means here in light of the recent elections we've had, 2016 and beyond. So, this is Macklemore, Ryan Lewis, and Mary Lambert. Their kids are walking around the hallway, plagued by pain in their heart. A world so hateful some would rather die than be who they are. And a certificate on paper isn't going to solve it all, but it's a damn good place to start. No law is going to change us. We have to change us. Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one. Strip away the fear. Underneath, it's all the same love. About time that we raised up. With Lambert speaking almost a testimony. And I can't change even if I tried, even if I wanted to. And I can't change even if I tried, even if I wanted to. My love, she keeps me warm. So I guess what I would say is on the question of sustainability, I mean, obviously, uh, AIDS research and resolving an epidemic or 
fighting with those who might choose not to resolve an epidemic simply because that epidemic was hitting someone else, someone less like them, was one of the fights going on in the 80s and 90s. And to be honest with you, if you listen hard enough, you can still hear some of this unsustainable rhetoric coming out of the religious right today. The other end of it, though, the question of sustainability is just right up front, this notion of I can't change. I've talked about it before in inappropriate conversations, and I won't even name drop the episode, except to say that, well, a couple things. Mark E. Smith of The Fall was a different drummer in Inappropriate Conversations 87. That was April of 2012. And it was a couple years later in the summertime that I shared from John Shore as a different drummer and talked about epistles from gay Christians to sort of call out a couple things. First off, there are gay Christians, and we ought to be worshiping with them, and it's sinful for us to be attempting to exclude those people, which seems to be uh, the point of view of both the largest denominations in our country, like the Roman Catholic Church. Even the smallest non-denominational congregations seem to have the worst sort of segregationist policies. But we've seen a bit of a journey here, I think, and I called it out of my show notes for that Epistles from Gay Christians episode a couple of years ago. In terms of having gone from people who insisted that there was no such thing to it, there was, but there was a choice, but and then, well, okay, maybe it's not really a choice because I don't face that choice, but it's still something that needs to be uh, resisted. And this, this whole journey where I believe we're getting to the place, and there's hope that we'll get to the place of sustainability, where because our society is more open, and the World Wide Web forces some of that openness, whether uh, political leaders like it or not, that we're more aware of more people who have different sexual orientations, different gender identities, and we're being forced to confront and deal with that. And you can tell that that process is playing out in part because some people actually are responding inappropriately to it. Uh, bathroom bills in places like North Carolina, pretty good indication that people are seeing something that they had historically been able to completely ignore. And now, faced with the reality that they kind of need to deal with it, have dealt with it inappropriately. Okay, well, maybe that's step one on a journey toward dealing with things with at least some degree of acceptance. The degree of acceptance I'm looking for may not be any more elaborate than acknowledging reality. And I've seen poll data even as recently as today that suggests that there's maybe more like 70% of the people in this country who know that they know somebody who is gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, or otherwise queer. And that number would have been half that, if even half that, uh, when I was graduating from high school. So just that sense of awareness of being able to point to say to something and say, well, this is real. But here's the problem. And it's sort of explored in both these last two songs, Same Love and Silent Legacy. We appear to have, in this, this stage we're in, a group of people who might actually choose to destroy our country rather than allow for... Two people they don't know, they have no bearing upon their lives whatsoever, to live together matrimonially. That this notion of uh, heterosexual marriage being under threat or, or my marriage being under threat is now at the stage of being completely debunked. All of these people who said that because these other people can marry that they would have to get divorced. Well, they didn't get divorced, did they? And so what we've done instead in the year 2016 at the polling place is basically choose people of questionable repute, low character, who've more or less said that they're willing to destroy the system of checks and balances. We re-elected Republican senators who had wiped their proverbial asses with the U.S. Constitution, either being 
borderline illiterate and unable to comprehend basic concepts in the first two articles of our U.S. Constitution, or frankly, just not caring, because the U.S. Supreme Court made a ruling that doesn't affect them, and they're so mad about it, they'd rather destroy the court or risk doing that, or destroy the country through compromising checks and balances, or handing the keys to our way of life over to the Russians, if the rumors that we're hearing are true about the Trump administration, and at some point there's going to be a bill that has to be paid as a thank you for tipping the election in one direction versus another. Now, that tips us back into politics. This isn't about the sound of protest where I started. This is more the sound of sustainability, but I want to issue a challenge here before I get to the different drummer today. It is not sustainable to suggest that two people who love each other should not get married, that they should have to pretend that they're not really in love or pretend that their love is somehow platonic to satisfy my, you know, good old days idea of how things are supposed to work around here. doesn't really affect me if they co-own property, if they live together, if they share a life together. It doesn't really affect me. So for me to have a point of view about that that is so strong that I would actually vote against my own economic interests, that I would make decisions that compromise some of the founding principles of our country, including the separation of church and state, over that issue is completely unsustainable and deeply disturbing. The wait is finally over. It's time for the Pride 48 Summer Live Streaming Weekend to fill your ears. Listen to all your favorite podcasters streaming live for your aural pleasure. What? Aural. A-U-R-A-L. Oh, I thought it was dirty. No. Join us June 23rd through the 25th to take part in all the fun. Don't miss a single show. For more information and scheduling, go to pride48.com. I thought, I thought it was O-R-A-L, you know, aura. Yes, we all know what you thought. I really need to make sure I get this episode out in the middle of the month of June because that was a promo for uh, a Pride 48 live streaming weekend at the very end of the month of June. And it won't work <laughs> if that promo is too close. I need people to have the same thought process I'm having. Uh, what will I be doing that weekend? Will I be available? If I'm on the go, can I make sure that my tuned-in radio app is up and running and functional? If I'll be at home, when do I want to make sure I'm definitely at home with a computer or tablet nearby so I can listen to this streaming weekend? At Pride48.com, there's a chat room. There's a way to participate as well as a bunch of podcasts, a variety of podcasts and a different podcast genre, as a matter of fact. We'll be streaming live on the website and on the tuned-in app in the last weekend of June. I want to turn my attention now to the different drummer, though, because Leonard Cohen you know, might be the most important different drummer I've named who has not been named in the first 200. Uh, it surprises me. Of course, I mentioned earlier, I've name-dropped him a couple of times along the way. So it's not like Leonard Cohen has not appeared on the show and had more than one nod of the hat. But it is surprising that he wasn't named sooner and disappointing that he wasn't named prior to his death. But... I'm kind of late to the game anyway, as we'll talk about inside the different drummer segment. I may not have really connected the dots of who Leonard Cohen was, maybe only having heard his music uh, peripherally before that, until I saw the 1989 film, Pump Up the Volume. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? 
together to the beach of Malibu. Everybody knows it's coming apart. Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows. And everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. That's how it goes. Nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. What's the difference between friends? The Christian Slater Star Vehicle included a central piece of music, crucial to the plot in many ways, and it was our different drummer intro today. Everybody knows by Leonard Cohen. I will say that as I work my way through the different drummer segment, and we get to our closing music at the end of the show, it's important to note that that's probably the only track I'm going to share directly that isn't from the future, because my starting point with Leonard Cohen was the future. Again very high probability that I'd heard Suzanne or Famous Blue Raincoat or something like that along the way on rock radio or adult contemporary radio in the 70s, at the very least in the 70s. But the first time I heard Leonard Cohen knowing it was Leonard Cohen and said to myself, I need to find more of that music, was in the movie Pump Up the Volume. And funny, because of the um, soundtrack not really including those songs from Cohen, and Concrete Blonde doing a reasonably good job with their own interpretation of the song Everybody Knows coming out right after the movie as sort of a 12-inch single of sorts, I didn't immediately go back and seek out I'm Your Man or Cohen performing Everybody Knows in any direct way. I just waited and waited for the next release that Cohen put out to say, I'm going to sit down and intentionally listen to this. And it was the future. And maybe this is an example of never forgetting your first time. But the title track to the future probably remains my favorite of his songs. And I think it's because of the way I realized who he was and went out to seek him out. Every different drummer segment is going to have a couple of parts to it. And the, they can't have one without the other. One of them is, what's my relationship with the, with the artist or the, the writer, the theologian, the performer, whoever the different drummer may be that their connection to me, my response to encountering them is important. But the other part is, of course, well, who is this individual? And I'm quite convinced that from Leonard Cohen, this could be an hour-long show just talking about the different facets and varieties, uh, who he was, how he lived. So I'm going to have to cut a lot of it down and make it very, very succinct. Because, to be honest with you, you don't need me to tell you who Leonard Cohen is. But I will f uh, drill in just a little bit on the topic of religion, because... Religion is obviously important to inappropriate conversations as a podcast, and it was important to Leonard Cohen as well. First, the Wikipedia introduction. Leonard Norman Cohen was a Canadian singer, songwriter, musician, poet, novelist, and painter. His work explored religion, politics, isolation, sexuality, 
and personal relationships. He was inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he was a companion of the Order of Canada, the nation's highest civilian honor. So there's much more that can be said in terms of honor, accomplishments, achievements. But again, I think it's enough to say that from a different drummer, I expect two things usually. Not always, but usually. One is a broad palette, a variety of, of, of touch points and skills. And you've got that here on the music side, on the writing side, and even painting. But the other thing is some sort of way of speaking to me that either challenges my spirituality or theology or comes alongside it and runs parallel for a period of time. And I think Leonard Cohen could aptly be described as an old soul, a person capable of giving a lot of advice. I read online that he was dismayed at the death of Kurt Cobain because I think he felt like that Cobain was on a path for a little bit longer than maybe he should have been, that Cohen had spent a few steps on as well, and that if only they'd known each other and had an opportunity to discuss things, may, may things have played out for Cobain differently. He has that kind of mentoring mentality. So his point of view on religion, relevant to inappropriate conversations. And I'll share just a little bit. This is also from Wikipedia. In a 1993 interview entitled, I Am the Little Jew Who Wrote the Bible, a lyrical line from the song, The Future, Cohen says, At our best, we inhabit a biblical landscape, and this is where we should situate ourselves without apology. That biblical landscape is our urgent invitation. Otherwise, it's not really worth saving or manifesting or redeeming or anything, unless we really take up that invitation to walk into that biblical landscape. Cohen showed an interest in Jesus as a universal figure, saying, I'm very fond of Jesus Christ. He may be the most beautiful guy who walked the face of this earth. Any guy who says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, has got to be a figure of unparalleled generosity and insight and madness. A man who declared himself to stand among the thieves, the prostitutes, and the homeless. His position cannot be comprehended. It is an inhuman generosity. A generosity that would overthrow the world if it was embraced because nothing would weather that compassion. I'm not trying to alter the Jewish version of Jesus, but to me, in spite of what I know about the history of legal Christianity, the figure of the man has touched me. That's Cohen, as an Orthodox Jew, speaking about his understanding and his admiration for Jesus of Nazareth, and also a man who you know, during his time in a monastery, as not just a monk, but a mentoring monk, blurred the lines for some, maybe in an uncomfortable way, between Judaism and Buddhism. But Cohen, I think, made a very astute argument, an argument that has always spoken to me on the topic, and that's that because Buddhism doesn't acknowledge deity, that it's very easy to follow the tenets and practices to learn from the wisdom of Buddhism without feeling like you've got this head-on collision of challenges between two different versions of God. Evangelical Christianity is so quick to try to create these conflicts. It's like a lot of times when you're speaking with people who are part of the religious right, the whole time you're talking to them, they're just itching to set up some sort of a cage match, right? It's got to be Christianity versus Islam as the popular soup of the day with them. But there would have been a time when they would have not hesitated to try to angle themselves towards some sort of open conflict between Christianity as a religion that believes in a god and Buddhism as an evil religion that believes in no god whatsoever. And Cohen says, I don't see it that way. I have a belief in God and 
These folks don't, meaning that's not an area of conflict for us. It's an area where the concept of conflict, frankly, ought to be somewhat irrelevant, that there's much that I can learn from them and perhaps things that they can learn from me. And it's not about, first and foremost, we've got to align our worldviews, have it out, and pick a winner. In Walk the Earth 30, recorded live before a studio audience in August of 2015, and released as a podcast in September, I made a mention of being a Sunday school teacher many years ago at the church that we left behind. It was a Walk the Earth podcast, so we were talking about leaving one church and going to another church, and in the context of that transition, what were the things that I regret? What were the things that I don't mind not being a part of anymore? And I mentioned that as a Sunday school teacher, we were covering things that others wouldn't cover, that we weren't sticking between the lines or playing with some sort of uh, material that was given to us by some publishing house in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We were instead basically saying, what are the things that would be of interest, especially to people who had graduated from high school? Call it 20-somethings and up, all the way up into 60-somethings. Maybe looking at issues and, and answering questions, or at least trying to answer questions, that other Sunday school classes throughout the lives of these quote-unquote students were afraid to even ask or consider. And along the way, one of the first things we did, uh, my wife and I and this other couple said, well, let's just talk about religions of the world. Let's understand, let's put Christianity and our faith in the context of the broader, bigger picture of belief period and religious belief in particular. And I lost students off that. And I had conversations with the parents of one of the young women in particular who were disappointed in me that we were talking about these other religions like you know, Hinduism and Buddhism and we weren't condemning them enough. Well, I'm going to let Leonard Cohen have the last word there that I'm not sure I 100% see the point. But I want to tilt this on its head a little bit right at the end of the Different Drummer segment and offer a challenge. that I believe we cut more slack to the Leonard Cohens of the world for his faith and his belief than we would other people. That there are two sides to this coin, in other words. And I think that from time to time there are people who say, well, hey, this person is a Christian and they're an active Christian, and if I expressed any interest whatsoever, they might invite me to church on Sunday. Therefore, they're a fool, they're an idiot, they're a credulous sheep of some sort, they can't be trusted, they shouldn't be listened to, they're dangerous, they must be rejected. And I'm not even making this up, I've heard these words and read these words online directly. So I know that there is a group of, call them non-believers or atheists or agnostics out there who feel this way, that it's really vitally important that somebody who identifies as a Christian and doesn't you know, fill it with all kinds of asterisks and exceptions is somehow, uh, at the very least, unreliable, if not evil, and can't be trusted. We don't seem to apply the same standard to people like Leonard Cohen. Just to call it out, that yeah, it's okay for him to be an Orthodox Jew who has a great deal of esteem for the central figure in Christianity who has actually gone into a retreat in a Buddhist monastery and, and come out of that with some you know credibility within Buddhism. And for whatever reason, we're not as quick, I think, to call out his hypocrisy for you know not being intellect not being sufficiently true to his intellectual underpinnings, as we might other people. And that's perhaps something that maybe someone who would have named Cohen a different drummer long before I would have should wrestle with that I didn't hold off on Cohen for so long because of his Judaism or because of his Buddhism. 
or even because of the mix of, of sexuality and religion in his poetry and his lyrics. But I suspect there might be some people who would have held off on someone more like me for religious reasons. I want to end the Different Drummer segment with Democracy. I said right up front that the rest of the music I share from Leonard Cohen will be from the future. It was my starting point. It's where I have the most kind of the most connection. But it's also because the future as an album is filled with music that is arguably protest songs. The title track opened us up. Anthem is going to finish as I try to end on a high note, try to turn positive at the end of the sixth of this series of sound doves. But democracy points a finger directly at the United States with what you might call a uh, a wise uncle's perspective and predicts bad things, bad things I think we're seeing right now, and suggests that things could be better. Say it all, say it all. 
the shores of me, past the reefs of green, through the smalls of hate. Sail on, sail on, sail on. America first, the cradle of the best and of the worst. It's here they got the range and the machinery for change, and it's here they got the spiritual thirst. It's here the family is broken, and it's here the lonely say that the heart has got to open in a fundamental way. Democracy is coming. The U.S.A.
made a willful turn in the second of the sound doves to go from the sound of protest to the sound of resistance because I felt like I maybe wasn't early on doing enough to tip a hat and give a nod of respect to the late 1960s, early 1970s from the perspective of rock and roll protest music. And I feel like I want to do the same thing again here. Feels like a good time for a callback to Grand Funk Railroad and Creepin'.
getting rich off raping the land. I can't understand why we don't take them in hand. Lord, I don't want to be their fool no more. Open eyes, but you're sleeping. You best wake up for tomorrow comes creeping in. If your understanding of Grand Funk Railroad comes solely from We're an American Band and their remake of The Locomotion, uh, there's more going on. I'm not going to escalate them to the highest levels of American rock and roll, but there's more going on there. And they do bring us back to the concept of environmentalism. Of um, course, they go further than that, but I intentionally introduced the idea from a con- conservation environmentalist perspective. Then I brought us into something I've been ignoring the whole time and shouldn't have in GLBT rights. But now I want to take us right back in to the concepts of sustainability and environmentalism and get us started back with the dead Kennedys. Said at the very beginning, I don't really think of protest music. Without having the Dead Kennedys not too far away inside the conversation, this one, a little more lyrically understandable than the others that I've shared along the way, perhaps, it has a Soylent Green aspect to it as well. It's Soup is Good Food from their Frankenchrist album. (laughs) 
very sorry, but you no longer need or want or even cared about here. Machines can do a better job than you, and this is what you get for asking questions. The unions agree, sacrifices must be made, computers never go on strike. To save the working man, you gotta put him out the pasture. It's like you have to let you go, doesn't it feel fulfilling to know that you the human being are now obsolete, and there's nothing in hell will let you kill out a piece of this good thing. Like a piece of trash. To leave. Unemployment runs out after just six weeks. How does it feel to be a budget cut? You're snipped. You no longer exist. Your numbers can merge from our central computer so we can read the facts if you under the rug. See our chart? Unemployment's going down. If that ruins your life, that's your problem. Soup is good. Divine Providence, what escaped us from jail. And I'll say, it was me being clever. Ain't that right, Poochie? 
Well, how do you know it weren't divine providence what inspired you to be clever?
So I've nestled a couple of very non-believing bands in Dead Kennedys and XTC inside a quote from the Pirates of the Caribbean about divine providence. Just have to walk a mile in my shoes to understand that, I suppose. But if 10,000 Maniacs was appropriately cited for Poison in the Well as the very first song I thought of when I thought of any of these protest music ideas, the first one I thought of under the concept of environmentalism was Scarecrow People by XTC. Lyrics are well worth the time. If you didn't follow everything Andy Partridge was singing about, it's worth going to look that up. And just to do a callback, I know I've mentioned these groups on multiple shows, but I'll do it again anyway. Uh, Jello Biafra, the lead singer of Dead Kennedys, was mentioned initially as a different drummer in Inappropriate Conversation 6, going all the way back to April of 2010, back during the era of the show when I was putting out the podcast weekly, partly because I had a lot of ideas and I really wanted to get them out there, but more because this was new to me, I wasn't very good at it, and I needed practice, and repetition is the key to practice making quote, perfect, unquote. Also in that first year, September of 2010, Inappropriate Conversations 29 was where Andy Partridge was mentioned. And I really think of Inappropriate Conversations 29 and 30 together as being a two-part episode looking at prayer in schools as an idea. And as we mentioned in the last Sound of series, uh, looking the Sound of Dissent, looking at religion, Andy Partridge has dissenting opinions on the question of religion. But I would bet you that if he were an American living here, and singing into our culture, the way he sings specifically more in, into Great Britain's culture, I think he would agree with me on the concept of prayer in schools. And I do agree with him on the concept of scarecrow people. The way we live, our fast food harried lives, is not sustainable. And sometimes I wonder if what we're eating is only gas and chemicals, certainly not nature-made. There's another shout-out I want to do, a mention only, that if I wanted to take the time, this would be a great place for two songs back-to-back that connect with each other in that one of them basically does an intentional lyrical callback to the other. If I had my way, I'd be doing the live concert version of Lies All Through the 80s by Manfred Mann. I believe the studio one came out on Chance, but I first heard it not from their Chance album, but on a... uh, radio broadcast of the King Biscuit Flower Hour. One of my favorite of all the King Biscuit Flower Hours as well. And I think you can find these particular Manfred Mann concert songs uh, online in something called an archive series, if I'm not mistaken. So they are now available digitally, probably only available in like a four or five disc set. So you've got to buy a lot of them if you bought a complete work to get the parts that I think are great. But they're really an underrated live band. And where the criticism of Manfred Mann is certainly due and appropriate is the fact that they're basically pretty darn derivative. Most of their biggest hits were written by Bruce Springsteen or Bob Dylan. They owe a great deal to other artists. And inside their live performance in particular of Lies all through the 80s, they make a direct reference to Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. And it would be a lot of fun to probably have them back to back. I could even see doing the live version of hers as well. She has a version of Big Yellow Taxi from Miles of Isles that's just as good as the single version you tend to hear on the radio. And that key reference point that connects them is the notion of digging up the trees and putting in a parking lot. Make way for the upcoming Pride 48 live streaming weekend. The Royal Court is already preparing for all the festivities. Wipe out your schedule. 
clear your social calendar. Forget showering and stay in your PJs. All your favorite shows for one weekend this June. Pride 48 Live, streaming weekend, June 23rd to 25th. Royalty approved. We're getting close to the last section here of this Sound Of series. And some of it has been difficult listening music. And I want to I maintain that. I want to continue the focus where appropriate on difficult listening. And I also want to make an interesting contrast. Because when I listen to music, when I set up this playlist on my phone and named it Protest and popped 300 or 400 songs on there, uh, when I listen to it, I just listen on shuffle. Meaning that the classical music and the punk rock and the rap all sort of blend together. And so the next block I want to play, and maybe the last pure block of music that I play in this series, is going to start with industrial rock, move to sort of a jazz ballad, um, and then end with what might be just the most American of all rock bands. I, I, I've always wondered how to define Tom Petty, and I'm not giving away anything by saying there's a Tom Petty song coming, because Petty has a lot of works that might on one level or another qualify as a, a challenge to and a an admonition about sustainability. But I was just thinking about, you know, trying to categorize Petty. And, of course, he fits in in rock, and a lot of people identify him as swamp rock. But from my perspective, you're just not going to find very many things more American than the music of Tom Petty. So we'll finish there. But I want to start off with Skinny Puppy from Vivisex 6 and the song Texture. And in some ways, the lyrics have to be read to be understood, it's the nature of Skinny Puppy. But more important to me is the story behind the music that I think I've shared before, but it's worth in this context sharing once again. Maybe if I get the first couple of lines out there, it'll be possible to connect the words with Ogre's voice and make it somewhat easier for people who want to listen along to listen along. I will just say right up front, the texture is an anti-vivisection song, an anti-animal experimentation song. And coming with an angry perspective that is certainly somewhat more uh, extreme, but maybe appropriately extreme, in the realm of environmentalism, conservation, and sustainability. Here are the opening lyrics to Testure. In nervous convulsion crouches infant ape, trembling in mother's shit. Cage-eyed, tear-less, filled with contempt. Clinic mask experiment with life and death. Smell, lingering, noxious, mixed-scent anxiety. Omnipotent doctor grinds the cage door, revealing love's primal instinct taken away, the tiny face terrified. Skinny Puppy has performed this song live before, and um, they're a very theatrical group. And one of the times that they performed it in concert, it might have actually been the, the first year of the Vivisect 6 concert, they created an animatronic, a robot, black laboratory retriever, for want of a better word. And in the course of the concert, especially during this song, Texture, they would do a vivisection on the fake dog. So a fake operation on the fake dog. Not unusual. The concert that I saw from them, the man did a vivisection on himself during the show. So this was just sort of the nature of their theatricality. It's theater of the grotesque, I guess, for want of a better way of wording it. But... The authorities, the powers that be, found this this simulation, this pantomime of a vivisection so real that they thought that it was real. And the second that concert was over in Cincinnati, Ohio, the band was arrested and thrown in jail, giving them, of course, the publicity, the microphone, the soapbox, soapbox if you will, to stand up 
and point in a direct in the direction of Procter and Gamble and other manufacturers and suggest that they had just been arrested for faking to do something that happens every day in one of the leaders of local industry without a single sheriff's officer standing outside a single door of that facility to raise questions or imprison the people who were responsible for this exact kind, in his words, of animal testing. This is the mentality of Skinny Puppy, and it absolutely applies in the context of protest, and in this case, particularly protest related to how we take care of our planet.
one distant booth And the stranger told his missus That's the last one of these gunfights You're ever gonna drag me to I'm taking control of my life I'm taking control of my life Holly Cole is among my all-time favorite performers. Inappropriate Conversation 89, She Was the Different Drummer. That came out in May of 2012. And in this case, it's a song that she's doing, which is an arrangement of the Sting song, Fragile. And I can make an argument that maybe Fragile isn't dealing directly in sort of an ecological direction, but it certainly is raising questions about sustainability when we too often treat each other as if we do not recognize how fragile we are. I ended that set and frankly had intended to end this uh, sound of sustainability with Two Gunslingers by Tom Petty. And the beauty with Petty is I don't have to share the lyrics. He's completely understandable. (laughs) And I think you can see where sustainability comes in here. Uh, You've got gunslingers who decide that there's no point in them putting on a spectacle for what has been an ever-growing crowd of people looking for the crash, for want of a better word. And a man getting angry at his wife for dragging him to something where uh, it didn't pan out the way they were hoping. That the the ghoulish aspect of the audience interaction with a situation like that. Um, so, Two Gunslingers by Tom Petty would have had the last word, except at the last minute, I had a change of heart. and thought, nowhere in here have I taken any time to share what I think is really one of my all-time favorites. The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Let's Face It. It issues a challenge. It issues a challenge that we've needed to hear throughout this series. Questions of race and law and order. And in this episode, questions of how we treat people who have a different sexual orientation than the rest of us. The Mighty Mighty Bostones say this in the writing of Dickie Barrett and Nate Albert. It's so hard to face that in this day and age, somebody's race could trigger somebody's rage. And somebody's preference can drive some total stranger to make somebody somehow feel the wrath of their anger. 
Why were we put here? What for? We're unsure. We sure weren't put here to hate. Be racist, be sexist, be bigots. Be sure we won't stand for your hate. Why so cut and dry? A simple concept missed. Give tolerance a try. This confusion still exists. Ignorant mongers, no areas gray. Couldn't be any wronger in this day and age. Why were we put here? What for? We're unsure. We sure weren't put here to hate. Now how far have we come? How come there are still some who won't let some march to the beat of a different drum? To face it, it's so hard. You must be on your guard. It's not okay. And you're not free to be a different way. Let's try to erase it. It's time that we face it. If we don't, then who will? Shame on us. Let's try to erase it. It's time that we face it. Let's face it. The time is upon us. Somebody's race can trigger somebody's rage. Somebody's preference can drive some total stranger. To make somebody somehow feel the wrath of their anger. Why don't we put it on for show? Sure, and put it to hell. Be racist, be sexist, be bigots, be sure. We won't stand for your hate. Now, why's it cut and dry? A simple concept is give tolerance and try and disconfuse still existing. Ignorant mongers, no areas gray. aside from Leonard Cohen, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones are going to get the last word here. And I think, you know, the only lyric there in the midst of their song that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with is whether it actually is true that in America that some people aren't free to be a different way. But I think where that plays out is that we need to challenge people on this question of sustainability. That I'm not insisting that people have to be tolerant. I'm not going to ask a bunch of right-wing Christians to pretend to love their neighbor if they're just not capable of it. I really feel like we're better off if people who have lost the script, who understand the New Testament so little and so ineptly, are allowed to express their bigotry to some degree openly. 
But I think that it's wrong for us to act like these ideas have to be treated equally. It goes back to the fire being shouted in a crowded building mentality. If hateful words expressed on the playground could lead a middle school or high school student to kill themselves, then I think we've got to challenge whether those words have equal standing with any other words that could have been shared at the same time. Most important thing to me from this song is this notion that we have something to do. This is our opportunity, especially if you're not black, to you know challenge the black imprisonment culture in our country, to ask how much of the nature of that imprisonment is purely economic, targeting poor people, and in this case, often poor and black people. If our standard for drug laws is tilted to such a degree that the drugs that somebody like George W. Bush or Donald Trump may or may not have used don't carry the same penalties, even though in many cases they're far more dangerous than the kind of drugs that we're putting people in, into prison for almost life for in three strikes you're out situations. If you're not gay, you have an absolute opportunity, an obligation, I would say, to ask people, well, how is this a threat to your marriage? How is their relationship in any way relevant to you, let alone a threat to you? How is the fact that you wake up every day sexually attracted to one gender any different from somebody else who wakes up every day sexually attracted to a given gender? And who put you in charge of deciding which one of those was right or which one of those was wrong? And if God incarnate, if someone whose philosophy was so impressive that a man who spent most of his time in Orthodox Judaism and Buddhism still recognizes his profound genius, calling it almost unimaginable genius, has nothing to say about this issue, then I think you need to reassess your commitment to the Bible. These are the kinds of let's-face-it conversations we need to be having. And if we can't find the words ourselves, it's nice that we've spent a little time in the year 2017 trying to put poetry behind those ideas, putting the music, the sound of those ideas into our ears, because there actually is so much more. I don't know whether this has been a 100 songs scattered over six shows or not, but it could be four times as many. It could be five times as many. And that's just from the narrow, limited perspective of one guy's MP3 player. Granted, he's a little crazy and he carries around 17,000 songs, but it is still just one guy's MP3 player. I don't presume to be the authority on hip-hop. I don't presume to be the authority on, on jazz and which instrumental songs in the history of jazz have more of a protest in them than I'm aware of. There is so much more there. And again, if we don't have the words ourselves, it's okay to sing someone else's words. The trick here is we don't have to wait until those words are perfectly formed. In some ways, profundity comes with and through uncertainty. I want to share a quick quote and then let us finish off with Leonard Cohen and give him the last word. This is from Osgan S., different drummer of Inappropriate Conversation 72, released somewhere around November, December 2011. And in that uh, episode, I did speak directly to his book, Fit Bodies, Fat Minds, Why Evangelicals Don't Think and What to Do About It. The edition that I'm holding was published in 1994. So these ideas have been around. And not to spoil things, I want to share the last paragraph or two from his book. Golda Meir, Prime Minister of Israel, wrote a moving account of the debate in the Knesset after the Yom Kippur War. The speeches of the opposition tore her apart, she said. They were so full of rhetoric and theatricality that she could not stand it. When the time came to close the debate, 
She refused to reply. I just want to say one thing, she said. I want to quote a very dear friend of mine, who once attended a debate on some very serious matter, though it wasn't nearly as serious as what we are talking about here and now. And a man got up to speak. He spoke so effortlessly and easily that all my friend could say was, if only he had stammered or hesitated occasionally. Perhaps as we ponder the length and breadth of our anti-intellectualism, as we survey its consequences, as we remember its casualties, and as we meditate on its core disloyalty to our Lord, it is time for us to stammer and hesitate and seek God's help to change our minds and our ways of thinking. It's like a mixtape. And everybody knows that mixtapes mean I love you. We don't need the perfect words. In some ways, the perfect words might come off as artificial, as staged. Or to put it in Leonard Cohen's way of thinking, to give his lyrics the last word. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Thanks for listening. They sang at the break of day. Start again. I heard them say, Don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. the war they will be fought again the holy dove she will be cut again body and soul and body again the dove is never free But still can ring Forget your perfect offering There is a crack, a crack in everything That's how the light gets in For signs, the signs were sent. The birth betrayed, the marriage spent. Yeah, the widowhood of every government. Signs for all to see. Say their prayers out loud But they've summoned They've summoned up a thundercloud They're gonna hear from me
This show is a proud member of the Pride 48 Podcasting Network. Check out other great podcasts at pride48.com slash shows.